Hello, everyone. Welcome to Discovering Humanity and Health, a podcast dedicated to educating students about the applications of cultural competence, as well as the prevalence of disparities in healthcare. I'm your host, Shani B. Right. Hi, Dr. Sanchez. Thank you so much for joining our podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So to start off, could you introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, so um, my name is Jasmine Sanchez. I grew up in Southern California. Um, so did undergrad out there. I went to the University of California, Riverside, which is uh, UCR. Did four years there and graduated with a bachelor's in neuroscience. And then at some point in my um, undergraduate career, I decided to apply to medical school. And I currently go to Indiana University School of Med, and it's been great. I'm a fourth year now on my last year. um, And I think I am probably going into child neurology. So I am in the middle of applications and interviews um, and coming up on match day. So I'm super, super excited. That's awesome to hear. Um, could you describe your typical day as a medical school student? Yeah. Um, so I think your typical day as a med student kind of changes year um, to year. And I think this is a really good kind of topic that I need to retouch on, especially on my YouTube channel, um, because I think your day changes depending on what year um, you are in medical school. So if you're a first year and most likely a second year, your main job and your main priority is going to be um, learning your lectures, going to class. Um, So I guess the big question that you kind of need to ask yourself is, are you a lecture goer or do you like to watch lectures at home on your own? That was probably like my main job as a first and second year student. I am a lecture goer in the beginning and then I kind of fall off and I end up just doing lectures at home. Um, The good thing about med school and about IU is that every lecture is recorded. And so you can actually not even go to lecture. It's not required. So you could just do your lectures from home whenever you want at your pace. Um, And so for your first two years, you're just gonna be going to lectures and going to small groups and kind of learning everything you can about the human body. You'll have like cadaver lab where you get to kind of dissect, which is really fun. And you just kind of hang out with your classmates and get to know them a lot better. Um, And then between, I think your second and third year, you have what is called step one, which is your big board exam. So you're studying for step one, basically. Um, As a third year med student though, this is when most med schools will allow you to actually go into the hospital and do rotations. Um, There are kind of six or seven um, core rotations that you'll rotate through. So I can try to um, list them off. So it's internal medicine, family medicine, psychiatry, pediatrics, neurology, um, um, am I missing one? I probably am. Um, but for that sake, we'll just, we'll just say it. Oh, and surgery. So that's a big one. I missed surgery. Um, so you'll rotate through those six. If I missed one seven, um, and you will spend maybe about four to eight weeks in each of those. Um, and as a third year, your schedule will kind of be anywhere from 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, you'll be in the hospital, you'll be doing rounds, you'll be learning, talking to patients, learning how to get a good history, um, and actually putting into effect everything that you've learned and seeing it all come together. Um, you'll be writing notes in the EMR or the electronic medical record, um, and you'll be working with teams, with doctors, residents, nurses, 
social work, everything. Um, and so after you finish your day, you still have an exam at the end of your um, four to eight weeks. You have a shelf exam. So after family medicine, you'll take the family med shelf. After surgery, you'll take the surgery shelf. Um, and this will be a national board um, exam that, you know, it's kind of standard across the entire country. It's called the NBME. Um, it's a shelf exam. And there are books you can read. Um, most students will use UWorld, which is a question bank um, platform. And you can do practice questions on there. But at the end of the day, when you're home, you usually eat, you shower, you might go to the gym, do something fun to relax yourself. And then you'll spend the last few hours of your day kind of studying um, and using kind of uh, your study prep materials, like your step one and step two board exams. Um, and so third year is a little tough because you have to juggle going into the hospital and kind of juggling, uh, staying on top of your studies. Um, in my experience, I thought every year got better and better. I kind of liked being in the hospital because it allowed me to remember why I love medicine and getting to actually talk to real patients and not standardized patients. Um, I got to see how a real team works and I got to feel useful in a sense that I was doing something and at least helping the team in a way. Um, and so when I got home, of course, we were all tired. Um, it's very hard to, to um, get the strength to come home and not just go to bed, but actually study. Um, so that's kind of how third year works. And then fourth year, which is where I am now, which is kind of the top of the peak, I think, um, it, you have a lot more free time. You get to take uh, classes that you want to take. There are only three kind of core classes that you're required to take, at least at IU. And that is a sub-internship, which is where you are treated as a first-year resident. So I just got off my sub-internship in pediatrics. And I had to um, do overnight week calls. I had to uh, write my own notes, do my own orders, come up with my own plans. Um, and it was kind of like, wow, this is how residency as a first year is going to be. And it kind of lets you dip your feet into what to expect over the next year. Um, so you have to do a sub I. Um, you have to do a rotation in the emergency department, which I have coming up. So wish me luck. And then you also have to do a critical care elective. So you can do ICU, you can do NICU, you can do PICU, so anything that has ICU. Um, so these are gonna be your critical care levels that you have to do. But other than that, my fourth year has been packed with classes that are online, that are interesting. I did a healthy fitness and lifestyle and medicine course. I did a global health course. I did two away rotations. Um, so fourth year is really, really cool because this is where you get to have um, away rotations. You get to go off, go to another institution um, and practice medicine there. Usually um, medical students will want to go to a place that they're interested in going for residency um, because this is really helpful because it gets the it lets the program see what kind of student you are they get to know who you are so once interview day comes they kind of already know you and your chances of possibly matching there are may or may not be higher but i think it, it is a good opportunity to have um, and to see what other institutions do so fourth year is the best year i think um, you have no exams we only have one exam fourth year and this is going to be um, your emergency medicine shelf but other than that everything is graded based off your attendance um, and how well you do on the rotations and how well you are working in a team. So it's very easy to, you know, do well in your fourth year courses. 
I did forget to mention from third year to fourth year, you do have a step two exam, uh, which is your second board exam. So this is going to test you on everything you kind of learned during your third year. Um, but all in all, I can say that your life um, gets a little better as you go into medical school, it gets a little easier. Um, and then once you hit fourth year, it's just amazing. Well, that does sound really amazing, but it also sounds really difficult. So I wanted to ask, how do you manage a work-life balance? Oh yeah, I love this question. I think it's super important to have a good um, work-life balance, uh, especially as a medical student. But you know, any at any point in life, you definitely need to have time for yourself to make sure you're mentally well. Um, so for me, it was always a little bit easier to maintain um, a work-life balance. I rely on, heavily on my classmates who have become some of my best friends. Um, when you're in the trenches together, AKA med school, um, it really helps when you have friends and classmates to rely on and to kind of uh, make sure that you're you're doing okay, um, because it's very easy to fall behind and to get into some bad habits um, and bad mindsets. Sets. So, what we did um, during my first and second year, um, a couple of classmates of mine, we agreed that Friday nights after lectures or after you know two or three p.m. We're going to have completely off, no studying, um, nothing having to do with school. So every Friday afternoon tonight, we would get together at a friend's house. We would have drinks um, and food or played games. Um, after exams, our whole class would um, go out together. We'd go out to a couple of bars or someone would host a party after the exam. And we'd kind of all be mentally preparing for that Friday um, to kind of get us through the week. Um, as the years went on during third year, um, you know, you have more time, I guess, between exams. You have a whole month before you have to take your exam. So usually during your first and second week, um, you know, we'll catch up with friends and we'll go get dinner. Um, so it's very easy once you move on and progress um, later on into your medical school years. But for me, I am very social with my friends. So I think that having friends and being able to go out and enjoy the city and try new places to eat um, really helps me. There are other hobbies that a lot of my other friends do. They'll go to the gym together. They'll do yoga together and sign up for some yoga classes. Um, I was going to sign up for like a pottery or a paint class. So there are so many opportunities you can um, that are out there that you can kind of do to help your uh, work-life balance. But um, for me, I think having people hold you accountable is what has worked um, in my experience. But I mean, it's just, it varies by person. Some people like to be um, inside on Friday nights watching movies. So I also did that just depending how tired I was, but it's very doable. I will say it is very, very, very doable to have a life outside of medicine. Um, if you know me personally, I think there have been some people who don't even know I'm in medicine just because I really value my life outside of the hospital and getting away from the books. It really allows you to um, kind of refresh. And then once you do have to go back in the hospital and you have to start studying, studying again, it, it's really helpful. You feel kind of um, refreshed and like you have a brand new slate, I guess. That's really reassuring to hear, especially because yeah. um, like a lot of my friends who also want to go into medicine have this mindset that like once they're in medical school or even as a pre-med that all they're going to do is study and I feel like that kind of deters people away from the field. 
Yeah, it's very easy to feel that way in the first your first year. Um, I remember I studied so hard my first year and I could never get like my goal test exam score. And so if I didn't, I would kind of punish myself and say like, no, you're not going out on Friday night with your friends uh, because you didn't get the score that you were shooting for. And that's just like something that I think is a whole other topic of getting better at not judging yourself based off a numerical test score, which is something that I struggle with every day, still do. And I know that's a big, big um, thing that a lot of other medical students and students everywhere kind of go through and have to deal with. Um, but you, you're, I guess you as a student and you as an applicant in whatever you decide to go to, um, the numerical score is just a small, small piece of that. So um, there are a lot of, of other things that um, people value in a doctor and it's not only test scores. So. Um, it's really easy to get caught up in that, but um, having a life outside of medicine helps with that. <laughs> For sure. I also wanted to ask if there are any other disparities that you've noticed as a medical school student, and have you taken any action steps to reduce these disparities? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a, uh, also a really good question, especially in today's day and age. Um, I think I have been very, very fortunate to not really experienced directly any disparities. Um, I've worked with great teams at IU out of all my four years, and I've never felt um, people were being mistreated or there were kind of discrepancies um, between certain things. I always thought everything was pretty clear cut and um, straightforward. Um, I can speak to kind of some IU specific things uh, that like my classmates kind of brought up. So Indiana University um, School of Med is a very, very unique school in the sense that not only is it the largest medical school in the country, I still think it is, um, but we are one med school for the entire state. So if you take like California, there are multiple medical schools there, but for Indiana, and um, there is only one medical school and that's through IU, and we have nine campuses that are spread out through the, throughout the state. So, but we're all under the same you know, the same curriculum, everything. So everyone wants to go to the city, Indianapolis, which is where a lot of the big, big hospitals are. Um, it's the it's the big city in, Indi in Indiana. So um, uh, students here actually have a little bit more um, opportunities to learn things. I know if you wanted to do like a trauma call and you wanted to go in the ambulance overnight for an overnight shift, that was only available in Indianapolis. Um, if you wanted to do a certain course all in Spanish to kind of work on your Spanish skills, that was only offered in Indianapolis. So there are things that are only offered at this one campus, the main campus. And so a lot of students um, and, and other regional campuses kind of felt that they were missing out and didn't get the same opportunities as other students who were there. So I use uh, working with students right now to kind of level out that playing field as um, much as possible, trying to have the regional campuses um, come to Indy more often or have more um, resources at the regional campuses. I will also say this though, I was at a regional campus for my first two years. Um, you are placed in a campus for your first two years and then you have the opportunity to go to Indianapolis or Indy for your last two years. So being at a regional campus, I think, was really, really cool, and I loved it. I wouldn't change it. 
if I had to go back in time because um, my class at my regional campus was only 30 students, um, large, more or less, versus if you're in the Indy campus, you had 100 uh, students in your class. So me and my class were very, very close. There were only 30 of us, so we always all got together. Um, we all did a spring break trip to Miami, which was really cool. Um, and then speaking with the other students who were in Indy for their first four years, um, they kind of, you know, let me know that they didn't really know a lot of their classmates. They maybe had like one or two friends. Um, but when you have such a big class size, it's really harder to create like connections with everybody. Uh, but if, if you're in a regional campus, um, you get more of that homey feel there. Um, that's probably the biggest disparity that I can probably speak to. Um, anything else uh, I, I was fortunate to not have to deal with. Yeah, that's really great. Um, I also wanted to ask if you've noticed a lot of cultural diversity among your patients and any if you had any experience with different cultures or languages or beliefs. Yeah, yeah. So um, coming from Los Angeles and Southern California, it is a little bit uh, difficult to kind of beat out the diversity that I was able to see back at home. Um, but I was able to see a little in Indiana. Um, of course, there are many Spanish-speaking families there, um, and there are also um, other fam other families that are from um, Bangladesh. I know there were um, a couple of other people who um, spoke Creole, Haitian, um, and so having to get the opportunity to have patients who speak different languages is, is honestly such an experience. Um, I am Hispanic. So when I do encounter other um, Hispanic or Latino family families and they see my last name, it's, it's really humbling to kind of see the like spark in their eyes once they realize, you know, that I am Mexican and I can speak the language and they kind of feel like a connection. And a, I can see that they're more comfortable with me being in the room and, um, whether it's, you know, whatever care that they're getting, they feel a lot more comfortable um, when they realize that we have that connection. So um, I really like that. And speaking with like other family members and having an interpreter out, um, that's really helpful. So I know at many hospitals, um, there are always in-person interpreters. Um, and if an in-person interpreter is not there because it's usually late in the day or they just don't have that specific language, they do have um, iPads that are rolled over and they're kind of uh, this high and it's a person's face there and you can kind of interact and it's kind of like a computer that can interpret for you. Um, so there, there's never been a problem with language barriers. Um, there are a lot of Amish communities out in Indiana as well. So having to getting to take care of these families is rewarding and uh, getting to learn about the different cultures is always a good thing. I think the more cultures you become aware of, of course, the better person you'll you'll be and the better um, position you'll be able to be. Um, but I'm excited to hopefully get back to my roots and uh, get back to the diverse community that I love and, and know um, back in LA. So it's been nice being in Indy and seeing some, maybe some cultures and some um, ethnic backgrounds that I maybe didn't get to see before going into Indiana. Um, so it just depends on where you go, the different um, cultures that are there. Um, but I'm sure wherever medical school or, or school you go to, um, there will be some diversity there. You just have to look for it. 
And I just wanted to also ask you, lastly, do you have any ad advice for pre-meds or other aspiring healthcare professionals? Yes. So um, advice. I could probably come up with a long, long list of things that I would want to tell every pre-medical um, or STEM person or student out there. Um, but I think the biggest thing I've learned on my journey from all my years from undergrad uh, into fourth year of med school is definitely do not let a uh, number define you. There have been many points in my academic career where um, I've come across a test score, a board score of some sort. Um, and I thought that this was the end of the road. This is it. This is going to be the end of um, kind of like the stopping point to my opportunities. And every single time I have been, um, I've been proved wrong. So um, we can talk about other personal experiences if you have any more or more questions, but um, definitely do not let that hinder you or scare you in any way. I know it's, it's easier said than done because I, it still happens to me. Um, but again, that is just a little, little piece of your application. And there is definitely more of you. And there are other things that you can do to kind of offset a test score or a board score that you don't think was the, was the greatest. Um, don't lose hope and, um, always try your best and ask for advice. I think um, are some of the things that I'll never forget. Don't be afraid to ask for advice and get help. It doesn't matter if you need help or if you can't do it on your own, nobody can. So um, I think you'd be really smart in asking for help and, and using it. So those are kind of the little things I could probably say, um, but there are definitely way more pearls out there that I could um, share with you guys. But for the sake of time, I think those are, those are my couple. Thank you very much. It was actually really insightful because um, right now I'm going through the college application process. So there mm. are always like people comparing test scores and grades. So it can be very easy to get sucked up into that. Yeah, yeah. And the good thing about most medical schools nowadays is um, everything is pass fail. So all of my courses from first year to second year to third and fourth have been pass fail. Mm -hmm. um, or high pass honors pass fail. So you, do, you don't get no A plus, B plus, um, <laughs> C plus, whatever. Um, you will get a test score like if for your exams, um, but let's just say like I got a 70, passing is 60 and my classmate got a 90. Um, when I apply to residency, they're not gonna see any of that. They're just gonna see that we both passed. Oh, okay. So yeah, so it's kind of taking the edge off uh, taking some of the stresses away from medical students. Um, step one, your first board exam, um, they just made that a pass-fail exam. When I took it three years ago, um, it was not pass-fail. Step two is still a numerical board score, but I will let you know that step two is technically um, easier than step one. It's more um, clinical-based and less kind of nitty-gritty um, biochem genetics-based. So um, I, I think people in medicine are starting to realize that, you know, your test score is not the greatest or it's not the most important um, thing on your application. And I have met with many academic um, professors and I met with many program directors and, and you know, I've, I was so worried about my test scores that I felt like I needed to go out and ask for advice. And they all told me the same thing that, you know, the test score is just a little piece of 
your application and um, we kind of don't really care about that. If there are other good things about you and we like you, um, then there shouldn't be a problem. So I really hope uh, you do well in your um, college search and that you end up somewhere where you that you love and you get to kind of explore everything. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to answer my questions. I learned a lot and I'm sure others will as well. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Um, please let me know. Give, you can give out my information if anybody wants to reach out. Um, and if you need anything else from me, you have my info too. All right. Awesome. Thank you. And that concludes this episode of Discovering Humanity and Health. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to check out other episodes at www.humanityandhealth.org.